Hi, welcome to the Read Play Talk podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Lindsay Paris. And I'm Jack Love, your other host. This podcast is a resource for all things Read Play Talk. We hope that our listeners will be encouraged to read, play, and talk with their children every day. In this episode, we are talking with Dr. Audrey Robinson, who is a play therapist at Mesquite ISD's Family Support Center. Today, we'll be talking with Audrey about the importance of play and how parents and caregivers can support their children. Man, I am really excited about today's episode. I can't wait to get into this stuff. (laughs) Yes, you should be. Okay, we love, we call you Miss Audrey at Mm -hmm. our house. Mm -hmm. So my daughter, Harper... She's a kindergartner this year in Mesquite ISD, and she started seeing Audrey around this time last year in play therapy, and Harper Mm -hmm. loves Miss Audrey. We talk about you all the time, and I am just so excited that you're on today. I love Harper, and I am really excited to be here. Thanks, y'all, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, Audrey, before we dive into these questions, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, personal, career, all the jazz. All that good stuff. Well, you know, I want to say hi to my mom and dad. My dad got his start in radio in his career and he moved on to film and video. So it's kind of cool that I'm here doing this. He was like way excited and like talking to me all about it last night. I am married to my high school sweetheart and we have one daughter named Maddie who's four. Hi, Maddie. I have a bachelor's in psychology and education and I was a teacher for five years. Started in fifth grade then went to third grade, then sixth grade, got my master's in school counseling and community counseling. I was a school counselor for seven years, and I finished my PhD in counseling with a focus in child and adolescent, because that's my thing, that's my area. And then this is my start of my second year in the best job ever as play therapist for Mesquite ISD. That's awesome. You know, I love her. Right? Well, I always like to hear the stories. They went from sixth grade to third grade to fifth grade. Yeah, <laughs> the journey of how you got yeah, to the journey. Yeah, the journey is what's fun. All right, so we're here today, obviously, to talk to your business. So can you tell us a little bit about the Student Support Center and what kind of services you guys right. have and, and what they are? Yeah, definitely. So the Family Support Center is a counseling center in Mesquite ISD. It's just for our students where any Mesquite ISD student and their family can receive high-quality counseling, and it's all free for our families and the students. The clinic exists as a partnership between Mesquite ISD and Texas A&M University Commerce. There are two full-time therapists, the clinic manager, who's Jennifer Davis, and myself, and I specialize in the littles. She specializes in basically everybody else, adolescents, family, all that. The bigs. Mm -hmm, The bigs, right. (laughs) (laughs) And we also have a number of interns from Texas A&M Commerce who are getting their PhD in counseling. And so we have this agreement that we provide supervision, mainly Jennifer Davis, provides supervision for them during their internship. And in turn, they devote their time for free counseling for our students and families, which is a really cool deal for our families. On average, we serve about 500 families a month at the counseling wow. center. Yeah. It has grown so much just in the last few years from what Jennifer Davis could do by herself and then adding on the interns and then finally adding on me. So I love working there. That's incredible. Yeah. Around last fall, when we started for looking for some play therapy options for my daughter, Harper, mm-hmm. I remember you know, we were calling around to different counseling centers and the cost was just outrageous for some of these play therapy sessions. And I thought, Mm -hmm. we're going to go broke, you know, (laughs) a Mm -hmm. month or two into this. Mm -hmm. And one of my coworkers recommended the family support center. Yeah. And when I started talking to you and started learning more about it, I thought this has got to be the best kept secret in Mesquite ISD. I mean, free counseling for Mm -hmm. students and for the family members of those students. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was so incredible. I love the work that you're doing 
I've already said it before, but Harper just benefited so much Mm -hmm. from her sessions that she had with you. So yeah, we are big fans of the Family Support Center. I can't get enough of that good feedback, like about (laughs) how I believe we're doing the really good work. And Mesquite is so resource poor when we think of like what counseling especially is available here for kids. There's not a lot. And then we don't have public transit. So it's really hard for our families to get outside of Mesquite to get this kind of stuff. Sure. I really appreciate what you're doing. Thanks. (laughs) Okay. So we're here today to talk about play, which we've talked about this before in our podcast, that when people hear Read Play Talk, so many people get caught up on the read. While reading is very important, there are two other actions equally as important the research shows us. So we want to talk about play and why it's important for our children to experience that. So can you just talk about the importance of play for kids? Absolutely. Of course, I think play is important. I'm a play therapist, and that's my specialization, knowing the research behind it. Play is the young child's natural language. Kids don't talk out what's going on with them. They don't process most of the time until much later. So when we think about little kids, toys are their language. They're their language, and that's how they take in the things in their environment around them, and that's how they make sense, learn, grow, develop coping skills, even just practice mastering different tasks. Like if you think about blowing up a balloon or something like that, a lot of that stuff developed during play. And so it's really important for kids. It's not just fun. And I really like this quote by Mr. Rogers. Play is often talked about as if it were relief from serious learning. But for kids, it is serious learning. And man, Mr. Rogers Mm -hmm. is such a wise guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I use his ideas all the time in what I do. So kids process through all that and learn so much just by playing. Mr. Rogers. Classic. Favorite, favorite, favorite. So I manage County Small and we have a play area that's based on replay talk. Yep. I will admit that the play portion is my favorite part as well because I think it's important. And I am one who firmly believes that we lose track of play and talk because of read. Mm -hmm. Because the function, I mean, you go to school to learn to read. That's what you do. By and large, some kids learn to read at home with parents who have that skill set, right? But you go to school, you learn how to read and that opens up all these doors. But there's so much more inside the play portion Mm. and the talk portion as well that I think sometimes we just forget about it. But when we talk about play, is it beneficial for the child when parents engage in play? Oh, definitely. Definitely. It's so great for parents to play with their kids. There are lots of ways that that can happen. And if I think even about like my own kid and playing with her, like I know that my mom and dad who help us out and watch my kids sometimes, they play with her in different ways than Mm -hmm. I play with her, than my husband plays with Mm -hmm. her. And it's really great that kids get that experience and that benefit of playing with different people and understanding that. And Renee Brown talks about the healing of connection. Mm. And so I really love that. And there's a quote by her. And I really think that when parents play with their kids, they're building that relationship and that connection. And that's just a great time to kind of work out and allow your kids to kind of open up and to really be seen. I'd really recommend that if parents can, once a week maybe, maybe once every other week for 20 or 30 minutes, like have a dedicated playtime. Parents could even like make a cute little appointment with their kid Mm -hmm. like, hey, Friday at 4 o'clock, it's you and me, just you and me. And if you've got other kiddos, set them up with something else to do. Take your kids maybe one at a time and have a little special time with each one of them. And I'd suggest to kind of make... It's so that the kid leads as much as possible. Kids get to make so few choices in their life. They have so little control over what's going on in their environment that it's really great for kids to be able to have that control. That's not how we always play with our kids. 
it, honestly, like even I couldn't handle playing with my daughter like that all the time. It's kind of mind numbing almost, right? right? Like listening and saying like letting my kid totally lead and even me saying things like if she's having me be a character and her say like, okay, you're going to do this. And I'm like whispering to her like, tell me what to say. <laughs> I want her to make all the choices during that special playtime. The rest of the time I want to teach her things like modeling, like sharing and how to take turns and how to how to accept it when you don't always get your way. But if parents can take that special time once a week or, you know, however often they can manage and really just all in, no devices, no interruptions, and let your kid lead, that is so powerful for kids. That's what play therapy is based on. So how about the tough guy playing catch, kicking yes. a soccer ball? Those were some of the things that I did with my kid all the time. Absolutely. Both of my boys. And honestly, it's the best time we ever had. We talked about stuff that I think that they wouldn't have expected to talk about just because we didn't have anything else to talk about. Definitely. And that's such a great way doing an activity like that, shooting hoops, playing catch, whatever, going for a walk, bike riding. While kids are doing those things, they're able to open up. And we see this in counseling too, even with like adolescents, when kids are doing something, playing a board game while talking about things, Mm -hmm. things come out that wouldn't normally come out. And I found that when I tried to coach them in the sport that they were playing, I have a soccer player and a hockey mm-hmm. player, mm-hmm. it, it didn't do me any good. <laughs> However, if we were playing catch or we were playing kick or whatever we were doing, mm-hmm. they would ask questions of why didn't it do this or why didn't it do that? And we were able to solve problems that I was trying to solve right. by forcing it. It was just less forced, if that right. makes any sense at all. No, so. it makes perfect sense. It's that like non-directive kind of approach, which is the style of play therapy I do. And when you open the door and kind of let kids lead like you did, they bring that stuff to the table and they give you the in. It's like, oh, this is my idea, so I'm okay with it, rather than yeah. my parents making can, me do it. <laughs> can parents be too engaged or too involved? I think it's really important for kids to be able to play by themselves. I really do think that they need that skill. They don't always need to be entertained by a TV or a tablet or a device or a sibling or a parent. Like we need our kids to be able to look inside themselves and be able to come up with ways to entertain themselves. And then later on that play builds that skill of problem solving too. So it'll kind of translate into being able to problem solve and regulate emotions and that sort of thing. Plus they're probably less codependent on people Definitely. in the future, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like I'm exactly. smart. Yeah. I'm you smart. are so smart over there. <laughs> yeah. I think it's definitely a balance of we do want our kids to be independent and problem solve on their own mm-hmm. with their siblings, you know, learning kind of role playing there and learning how to share what you talked about. Mm -hmm. But also kids crave this playtime with their parents, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's hard, I think, as adults for us because we're so like task oriented and we're just trying to check off all of our things through the day that when a child says, sit down and play with me, our first reaction is, I don't have time for this. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I got to cook dinner. I got to get ready for school tomorrow, all these things. But they crave this one-on-one mm-hmm. lighthearted interaction with us. I loved when you said about creating an appointment with mm-hmm. your kids, you know, like make it like a little date. Mm-hmm. My oldest daughter, Lola, during quarantine, she started setting appointments with us to have uh, <laughs> feelings meetings. Oh, I love and that. And she would ask us questions like, how are you feeling today? What's mm-hmm. something that made you happy today? I mean, like you would love this. It's I right would. I'm alley. like, yeah, sign but them all up to work for me. <laughs> she is, man, going to change the world. But I just... I loved it because she said, no, this is going to be a designated time at 1225. You need to be here Mm -hmm. in my office, quote, Mm -hmm. that, you know, we're going to have this feelings meeting. So I I love love it. I love that. Yes. (laughs) Mini counselor in training. She can come work at my office. Perfect. I'll sign her up. (laughs) She'll be there tomorrow. 
So, Audrey, it's obviously really important that parents play with their kids. While we're playing with them, is there anything we can learn about our child based on maybe what they're playing with or what they're having their characters say to each other? Definitely, definitely. You can tell so much of your kiddo and so much of their personality and kind of what's important to them or maybe what they're processing through comes with play. I do have to like one word of caution that you can't necessarily take their play and say this means this like 100% of the time. Play behaviors don't always equal out to something symbolic, even if it really looks like that on the surface. And that's one thing in play therapy. I'm really careful about drawing specific conclusions because I don't ever know for sure what it really means. But there are clues and parents know their kids best. You're the expert on your kids. So you can definitely look and see some things. And one of the big play therapy gurus kind of has this list of themes that you might see in your play. She also says that you can learn everything you need to know about your child by how they potty train. That's a whole other <laughs> podcast. Oh, yeah, we'll schedule that next. <laughs> Not everything in play is important. Some things are just fun. Some things are just, you know, in the moment kind of thing for kids. But there are three things that you can kind of pay attention to, clues that help you know, like, really what is important. The first one is repetition, how much your kids are playing something out over and over, maybe the specific scenario or a specific task that they're trying to do. That's highly important. This is also one that personally speaking as a parent, like I find a little bit mind numbing too. Mm -hmm. like when my daughter wants to have me say the exact same thing or play the exact same thing or repeat the exact same thing for what feels to me like the millionth time, but that's how her little brain is processing. It's how she's making sense of the world and it's how she's growing and creating those long-term memories. So repetition is one. Another one is intensity. And this is kind of like a really a gut feeling. And you know by watching your kids probably when they're just kind of playing and things are light and easy. And then you kind of know when your kids get like laser focused, locked in on something and suddenly the feeling kind of changes. There's a look. Yeah. (laughs) You can tell. You can see the look in their eyes. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's a kid who normally plays real quietly is suddenly super loud. Or maybe a kid super loud is all of a sudden playing super quiet. It's not necessarily one or the other, but you know how your kid normally plays. And that intensity is a clue that this means something to the kiddo. And then the last one is context. If you know that your kiddo has experienced a certain thing, can I give a little example? Sure. Yes, please. A year ago, my daughter and I were in an active shooter scenario. We were outside in downtown Dallas, and it's when the Earl Campbell, Campbell building downtown, when there's a shooter, we were there to go get some documents that day. And yeah, totally horrible. Mm-hmm. And so I flipped my lid. We ran to the car once the shooting happened. And then so after that, my daughter would kind of play out those things. And she was three at the time, just turned three. So she played out a lot of things with loud noises and scared and running and hiding. And for me, the context, I knew exactly what that meant to her because I knew what she had experienced. And especially now with Corona, if you have kiddos who are, you know, are struggling with all the changes or showing a lot of anxiety, you're probably going to see these things come out in their play. And that context give you that clue that, oh, okay, this is them processing this and working that out. I wonder about that because the changes since March to now have been infinitesimal, right? Yeah. And the masks have got to be the biggest thing, right? I mean, it's... Right. I would imagine that's going to be somewhat scary for a child, but, you know. Definitely. I know me as an adult who, you know, with all my training and should know all the things I need to do, I've struggled. And so I can only imagine my kiddo who can't necessarily put the language to it because that part of her brain hasn't developed fully. What's she going through? 
I think we tend to say, oh, they're a kid that, you know, they're not really thinking about it or it's not part of their world. They're not worried about it. Right. tend to think otherwise. I agree that kids experience the same depth and complexity of emotions as we do. They just don't always have the coping skills or the ways to talk it out like we do. So looking for their play, looking to see these things in their play. And then allowing them to express those feelings and fears even through their play. I know at my house, and it may be the same for you, we've been playing a lot of doctor and hospital yes, at our house. Same. Because <laughs> they hear mm-hmm. COVID-19, coronavirus all the time, and mm-hmm. they're asking all kinds of questions about it. So mm-hmm. I know that when they play that, you know, they're thinking through this new reality that we're in. Definitely. They're playing the same thing at our house. A lot of doctor, a lot of that. And my kid will ask the same questions over and over. Where did the coronavirus come from? How did mm-hmm. it get here? What happens when somebody gets sick? And all that. And then she plays it out. And we don't always get this lucky in our kids' play. But like my kiddo took her little kitty and her kitty got the coronavirus and the kitty mm-hmm. had to be quarantined. And I was like, I know yes. exactly what she's processing. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Hardly ever is it that easy. But so can we, I don't want to say change directions. Can we <laughs> maybe talk about your YouTube video, The Power of Truly Seeing Your Child? which I watched and it's really enlightening. I liked it. Yeah, absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about what the message of that video is and and why you think it's important for parents and caregivers to hear? Definitely. I think out of all the ones I did, that one's probably my favorite. And that's probably the one that was the most original content. A lot of the stuff that I did in those videos comes from a training called Child-Parent Relationship Therapy. For me, that was almost a message to myself, but really to all parents out there. Like, this is a message of hope. This is the message that at the end of the day, even if all these techniques or things don't go right or whatever, don't go how you hoped it was, that the power is in looking at your kid and truly seeing your child. There's this quote that says, focus on the donut, not the whole. And it's that Mm. idea that we want to focus on who our kids are, strengths and weaknesses, not just the deficits or the problems are what's driving us the most crazy. And so it's really that message about how you see your kid is so powerful and it can really help your kid with their self-esteem and everything. And I know with all the busyness we have going on in our day, making ends meet, kind of like you were saying, like, I got to get through my checklist. Mm -hmm. I got to, you know, dinner, bath, get everybody to bed, all the things, make sure I'm ready for the next day. It's so easy to lose sight of who our kids are at, at their core. And I'm reminded of another quote by Dr. Carrie Landreth that Children are not miniature adults. They're unique and they're worthy of respect. They don't have our years of experience or brain development. And so we kind of have to temper our expectations and remember kids develop at their own pace. And that is okay. Not all kids are going to hit the same milestones at the same time. It is helpful to know like what milestones, what things to expect for kiddos. And I think I'm going to do a video series next about ages and stages, but Mm -hmm. that's a whole other thing. Children really, they're people, they're people too. And that's kind of a duh statement, but I think about my own daughter and I think about like, I carried her inside my body for nine months. Like she is mine, like she's mine and she's my responsibility. But at the same time, she's her own person with her own thoughts and feelings, her own desires and what she wants to be when she grows up and the way she sees the world. And that's not necessarily how I see things. And I think about like the way I talk to my kids sometimes, especially when I'm thinking of her as like, no, you need to toe this line. You need to do this thing. And I think, oh, my gosh, like if my boss talked to me like that, the way that I'm talking to her right now, I'd cry and throw things, too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, 
And I think holding side of that as parents is just trying to take a step back and focus more on the kiddo and focus more on that relationship than just what's next or, you know, the deficit and really seeing our kid, that connection and that seeing someone for who they really are that's so healing. Keep thinking about the donut quote. (laughs) And and not because I'm hungry, but because like (laughs) when when you take the donut hole out, you've pretty much taken everything that's part of the donut out of the middle of it. You think about the stuffed donuts, right? There's stuff inside those and you can't get that stuff if the hole is in the middle of it. Right. So you can't develop that delicious mm-hmm. donut <laughs> yeah. with, with the hole being gone. Yeah, right? I mean, so that's just, those are my favorite. <laughs> yeah. I love those quotes that you said from Gary Landreth, that the, especially children are not miniature adults mm-hmm. and children are people. We forget that as parents. I know as a parent of a five and a seven-year-old, mm-hmm. I forget that my children are people. I think that they're little mini robots that I control and that they should just obey everything that I say mm-hmm. and move on. But <laughs> Wait till they're 13. <laughs> just wait till they're 13. <laughs> I have teenager, well, I have a teenager and one that's 29. Just wait. Oh, don't tell me that. No. Don't tell me that. <laughs> no. But I, you know, it, it would be incredible to see the power that we could develop inside of our children if we allowed them to experience these feelings and express them in an environment that was welcoming Mm -hmm. and accepting of Mm -hmm. those fears and feelings and everything else. In the safety net of your household, we want kids to experience those big emotions. We want them to have those meltdowns and tantrums in our safety net so that they develop those skills they need when they go out into the world. Exactly. Trust me, because I've had those in Target. (laughs) You want them at your house. Yes, exactly. Amen to that. (laughs) But what parents say to their kids can really affect them a lot. I'm a big believer in self-talk mm-hmm. and just your inner voice and the way that you talk to yourself inside will come out on the way that you view the world, the way that you view other people. But things that parents say to kids can affect their inner voice. Can mm-hmm. you maybe talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I love this. Again, like I live my life in quotes and analogies, I think. <laughs> it's just how I see the world. So there's another quote by Peggy O'Mara, and it says, the way we speak to our children becomes their inner voice. And when I heard that, I just let it sit and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. And Mm -hmm. so how is it that I'm speaking to my kid? Like when the first time she sees me in the morning is the first thing I say to her, go brush your hair. Or does first my face light up and I say, hey, good morning. Wow. Look at your hair. Let's go brush it. You know, (laughs) I don't want the first words out of my mouth is to be do this or pointing out a fault or a mistake. I really want my face to light up. And here's another quote. Toni Morrison says, let your face speak what's in your heart. And I've kind of taken that to heart as a parent, because again, like you've said, I'm going from, especially in the mornings, I'm going from one thing to the next. I got to get us all ready. I got to get us out the door. I got to get to work, whatever it is. But I got to step back and say like, okay, my first thing is, I'm so glad to see you. Let my face light up. And then let me tell you, please stop dripping on the carpet or whatever it is. (laughs) That part in your video has changed the way that I greet my girls in the morning. Because I would normally say, I'm like, your shoes don't match. Why are you wearing those shoes? Or we're not wearing that shirt to school or whatever. (laughs) But now they come in and I'm like, good morning. How did you sleep? And I give them an eight second hug. And Mm. then we talk about whatever else we need to address at that point. (laughs) Then you address the shoes. But that has changed our mornings, that portion of your video. Yeah. Yeah. Where were you like 15 years ago? So you talked about your quote person and you actually ended your video with a quote, a pretty powerful quote by Gary Landreth that said, What's most important may not be what you do, but what you do after what you did. 
right? Did mm-hmm. I get that right? Yeah. Um, I right. hope so. I was reading it. <laughs> so if you're a parent and you've made mistakes, that's okay. It happens. We're not perfect. We don't get a, a manual in this stuff. What mm-hmm. would you say to the parent that might maybe feel defeated or overwhelmed by their mistakes? You are going to do and say things that you regret. We all do as parents. I do. I have said and done things that I wish I could take back. And I want parents to remember that your kid doesn't need a perfect parent. Your kid needs a real parent. Your kids need somebody who is real. Making mistakes is actually good for our kids. Kids are so resilient. They really are. They're so resilient. And what's more important than not making that mistake is after you make that mistake, come back and talk to your kids. Kids need to have it modeled for them how we as adults handle mistakes. And if we, do, if we don't ever address them or we handle them totally mm-hmm. behind closed doors, they never get a good model and know what it should look like when they're adults to handle mistakes in a healthy way. So if you fly off the handle and you yell at your kid or whatever it is, come back and say, I was really frustrated and I wish I hadn't handled it that way. I'm sorry I said whatever or did whatever. Let's talk about it. And come back to your kid and rebuild that relationship because the relationship is more important than necessarily the how. You know, it's funny you say that because I think back, This I think it relates somewhat. My parents, God love them, they would argue in front of us, mm-hmm. right? You think probably not the best thing to argue in front of your kids. But it taught me, they always came back. I always knew they loved each other. Yeah. And, and it taught me in my marriage, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. There's going to be rough times. Mm-hmm. You know, they were together till for 44 years and my mom passed away. But I knew, assuming I found the right spouse, well, you could argue, mm-hmm. right, and come back and talk about that stuff and, and it would be okay. It didn't end with just an argument. Yeah, that is exactly right. It's okay to argue in front of your kids. Now, you know, if it gets real heated and there's some bad words or violence or anything like that, that's stuff we don't want kids yeah, absolutely. to. Yeah, right. Yeah, we, yeah. we don't want kids to see that. That's not good for them developmentally. But it is great for our kids developmentally to see oh, okay, two people can argue, they can disagree, and then they can come back together. And this is how they handle it. Otherwise, kids go into adulthood with this unrealistic picture that either they have to be perfect in their marriage or that if relationships are hard or there's a struggle, then there's something wrong with it or that they have to be perfect parents and never make mistakes. And that's just a huge burden for a kid to carry because it's not true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I know anybody who loves to admit that they made a mistake (laughs) or who loves to go apologize and ask for forgiveness. I remember the first time that I went in and apologized to my oldest Lola for yelling at her or Mm -hmm. something. And for the longest time, I... I would not go apologize because I didn't want to. I felt like I was justified in my anger. Like, you disobeyed me. Mm -hmm. It's not okay. I'm not apologizing for that. But then I did some soul searching and realized, okay, no, it wasn't okay that she disobeyed. Mm -hmm. But it is not okay that I talked to her that way. And it's a very humbling Mm -hmm. experience to Mm -hmm. go in and apologize. I I think at that point, Lola was three. Mm -hmm. To sit in front of my three-year-old and say, I'm so sorry, mommy acted that way. That is not okay. No one should talk to you like that. Will you forgive me? Mm -hmm. That is a very humbling moment for a parent, but such a powerful teaching tool to our kids, you know, to show there is power in apologizing and asking for forgiveness and freedom in that too. Definitely. And that you guys can move forward for that. And what you said was really important. It doesn't make whatever the kid did. It doesn't erase that. That needs to be addressed too. But when you did this, I should not have whatever it was. And I'm sorry for that. I wish I had said or done this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. I so humbling. There should be consequences, but you shouldn't be talked to that exactly. way. Exactly. Right? right. It's like you said, if a boss talked to you that way, yeah. that would not be okay. <laughs> yeah. And if we're treating our kids like that, 
And I know it's not happening, you know, regularly or anything like that. But if that's something that is happening to kids regularly, then they learn, oh, this is how people treat other people. Right. And maybe they go forth and do that. Or for the rest of their lives, they allow other people to treat them that way. Audrey, so informative. <laughs> and I loved you before. And now I, I love you even more. <laughs> Thanks. You know, but now it makes me feel like I played wrong my entire life. Oh, no. No, no. Okay. Let's go back to that I'm quote. Good, I'm not a good player. <laughs> All right. Average over here. Yeah. Thank you, Audrey, for coming on our yes, show today. Thank you so much. We Thanks really so much for having it. me. If you are interested in learning more about the Family Support Center, you can go to the Mesquite ISD website and find information there. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We would love it if you would give us a glowing review on whatever platform you are listening on. Five-star reviews are obviously our favorite. We encourage you to follow us on all of our social media platforms for ideas on how to read, play, and talk together at home. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Replay Talk and on Twitter at Replay Talk TX.